I'm gonna ask you to grab a Bible if you would. If you don't have one, it's fine. We're gonna throw it up on the screens, but Luke chapter one. We're gonna go to Luke chapter one. I'm gonna start in verse 26. And uh, I, wanna, I wanna talk to you today from this thought, trusted with trials. Trusted with trials. You're gonna find out over these next few moments that it's actually, it's actually God trusting you when difficulty comes into your life. It's, it's, actually, it's actually an honor. And uh, I, wanna, I wanna help you through, through this season. This is one of the most unusual Christmases of our lifetimes. And uh, so I wanna, help you, I wanna help you through this season. Luke chapter one, and I'm gonna start in verse 26. I'm reading from the NIV version. Luke 1, 26, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. Matthew said his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And how would this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One is to be born who will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Is there anybody thankful for that line right there? No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Some of the most important words ever said by human being on planet Earth. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word today. We ask over these next few moments, God, that you would speak clearly to us. I'm asking for that because we need clarity probably more than anything right now. We need truth. We need, uh, we need to know what is. Because <laughs> life is weird. Life is frustrating. Life is painful. And this season is different for many people. Uh, and so we're asking that your word would bring clarity that is necessary for us to continue to do and be who you called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. I'm gonna read a verse to you and it's, it's in Micah chapter five, verse two. It's prophetic about Jesus coming and it says this. It says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. I think it's very important that we recognize and we see this. Not only in Mary's life did God do something in her and out of her for him, 
But this is how God works in our lives. God does something in us to bring something out of us for him. And I know the men in the room are so thankful today that they don't have to get pregnant and have babies. I, I, I'm so thankful. Are there any men who would just say, thank you, Jesus? If I got anything to be grateful for at Christmas time, it's that I didn't have to have one baby in this lifetime. But even though we don't have children in the natural, God always does something spiritual inside of us to bring something out of us for him. And can we be honest? Everything in the world is not merry and bright. Joy to the world almost sounds sarcastic to me right now. Like joy to the world, yeah. Joy to the world. Sounds, sounds fun. <laughs> Wish we could have some of that. Joy to the world right now. And to some, though, this season, maybe, maybe, maybe this is, for many of you, the most wonderful time of the year. And I looked on my phone the other day, and, and the weather app said it's possible that it could snow on Christmas. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Lord, if we have ever needed you, <laughs> we need you now. <laughs> But every person in this room, whether it's the most wonderful time of the year or if it's the worst time of the year, all of us understand deep down that not all is merry and bright in our world. Not all is merry and bright in us. Some Christmases, we feel this frustration more than others because Christmas can be a blaring reminder not really of all of the things that we have, but of so many of the things that we have lost and that we don't have. For some parents right now, Christmas is a reminder that you don't have a lot of money. And as you see everybody running around buying stuff for their kids, you're wondering how you're gonna give your kids the Christmas that you wanna give them. And maybe right now you're maxing out credit cards and you're stressed out and you're working overtime just so that you can have some presents under the tree. For some families, they're, they're, they're gonna get together this weekend and they're not gonna be with their parents and the people that they love. It's gonna, be, it's gonna be different. For some people, Christmas is a reminder not of the family that you have, but the family that you've lost, or the people that aren't there, the kids that you didn't have, or the kids that you lost, or the kids that are away from God, or the kids that aren't coming home for Christmas. Christmas can often be a season full of, of pain, but the good news is that the Christmas story does not ignore your pain. Christmas is actually a story about great pain. <laughs> See, the joy of Christmas has never been that all is right in the world. The joy of Christmas is that God is with us, even though everything isn't right in the world. And I wonder if I'm in a room today full of people who are just thankful that in this crazy season that we are walking through, and no matter what has happened to us, the one thing that has stayed consistent and constant in my life is that God is still with me. Is there anybody thankful that right here at the end of the year, that there's a lot of stuff that's happened, but I can tell you what hasn't happened. God didn't leave me. God has been faithful through it all, and he has been with me in all of it. I'm thankful for that. The Christmas story is one of great difficulty and pain. <laughs> for hundreds, 
and hundreds of years. When we arrive at this story, for hundreds and hundreds of years, God's people have been waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled. God himself has actually been silent and not speaking to his people for 400 years. And then all of a sudden, God speaks as a baby is born. And as that baby cries out for the first time, God speaks for the first time in over 400 years. Christmas is a story <laughs> about a, a virgin who gets pregnant by a ghost and a fiance who's embarrassed because he can't really explain the situation to his friends. And if you don't think that the stigma of this moment wasn't real for Mary and for Joseph, then why is Jesus, while he is in his ministry, in John chapter eight, the Bible says that they are challenging Jesus's authority. And one of the things they say to Jesus to challenge his authority is they tell him that he was born out of sexual immorality. In John chapter 88, verse 41, they say to Jesus, he's a grown man at this point. He's operating in his ministry and they're still challenging the circumstances around his birth. This is a story about a fiance and a virgin whose lives got turned upside down because God decided that he wanted to use them. <laughs> I wonder if anybody else in this room feels like God deciding to use you turns your life upside down. <laughs> it's a story of great pain. It's a story about a baby who was born, and because there was no room for the baby, he was born, and his first bed was a feeding trough. It's a story about a family who was told by God that, hey, I know you're excited, I know you're happy about the baby being born and you've already gone through a lot, but I, I need you to get up and I need you to leave. I need you to go to, to Egypt. Yeah. I need you to go to Egypt because there's a man named Herod and he wants to kill your baby. So they travel to Egypt and they stay in Egypt until they get word from God that everybody that wants to kill the baby is dead. So they make their way back and they make their way back only to raise Jesus to eventually watch him suffer the most brutal death that you could possibly imagine. And the Bible says in Luke chapter two that Mary one day she goes to the house of God and a prophet comes to her and he says to her, he says, he says, Mary, because of this baby, your soul is going to be pierced through. You're like, when, when are we going to get to the good news, Rob? Here, here's the good news. You, you can be favored by God and hurting. You can be favored by God and running for your life. You can have the Holy Ghost come upon you and have no place to stay. You could be carrying redemption on the inside of you and all hell is breaking loose in your life. Because favor has never been about 
what is happening around you. The favor of God on your life has always been about what you are carrying on the inside of you. Micah 5 and 2 said it. He said, out of you will come for me. As a matter of fact, favor has never even been about what you have, what you own, what you possess. The only reason favor comes on your life is for purpose. It's not for possessions. Just ask somebody like Joseph who the favor of God was all over. The Bible says one day Joseph's brothers got mad at him and they threw him in a pit and they took his jacket that represented the favor that was on him because his father loved him the most. They took his jacket from him and threw him in a pit. And watch this. Joseph didn't lose his favor because he was thrown into a pit. And Joseph didn't lose his favor because they took his jacket. Because favor is not something that is on you. Favor is something that you are carrying on the inside of you. Is there anybody thankful that no matter what's happening around me, the favor of God is still on the inside of me? I'm carrying something that's valuable, and that's why hell is mad right now. Carrying something that's valuable. Sometimes God will let you get thrown into a pit and into a prison. Sometimes God will let you be a refugee in Egypt so he can get out of you what he put in you for him. John 7 and 38 says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, Paul reminded Timothy, he said, therefore, I remind you, stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The thing that robs the enemy of the power of fear over my life is the gift that's on the inside. I'm carrying something for God. And at some point, what God has put in me is gonna come out of me for him. At some point, out of my belly, out of through all of this pain and all of this suffering and all of this difficulty, somehow, some way out of my belly is gonna flow rivers of living water. Is there anybody in the room thankful that out of your life, God is going to bring something wonderful? And I, I love this story because it reminds me about some things. It reminds me about some things that sometimes I forget about God. And I, I'm reminded of some of the stuff that I've had to do for God. And it would have been nice if God would have informed other people of the decision that he made about my life, but how many of you know that most of the time when God wants to do something in you, the first person and sometimes the only person he talks to is you? It would have been nice, wouldn't it, if the angels would have gone around and talked to other people instead of just Mary and Joseph? Like if they would have just had a town meeting and said, hey, by the way, I'm going to knock Mary up. Joseph didn't do this, and Joseph isn't responsible. Joseph's a good guy, I promise. She hasn't even cheated on Joseph. He's Joseph's doing the right thing. And that'd have been nice. It'd be nice if God would go around and tell your family members everything that he has planned for you so you don't look like an idiot following Jesus sometimes. But I want you to understand something. Sometimes you have to look foolish if you're really gonna follow Jesus because he doesn't always inform everybody about what is actually taking place in your life. So sometimes when people look at you, they can look at you and think something's wrong with you and nothing is really wrong with you. Everything is actually right about you. I mean, I mean, for instance, during this whole during this whole period, 
I've had people say some funny things about me over the years, but, but I've never had people more divided about me than they are right now. I, I've got people who think because I'm having church and we're actually meeting in this room that, that, that I'm a science denier and I'm crazy and I don't care about people's health. But I also have people who, who when I didn't have church for eight weeks, told me I wasn't a man of God, that I had no faith, that I didn't trust God. <laughs> I, I have never had people more divided over what they think about me. But I, I made up my mind a long time ago, like Mary, I'm a servant of God, be it unto me according to your word. So even when people don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, I have to do it anyway. Because <laughs> God doesn't go around and reveal to you everything that he's asking me to do. And so I get it. There, there, there are thousands of people right now who know exactly how I should handle this situation as the leader of this church. I get that. But not all of you are actually the leader of this church. And somebody has to do what God has told them to do. I mean, I mean we're meeting, but we're still having people register online. So, so right now, I've got, I've got people who won't come to church because they refuse to register for church. <laughs> if, if I waited for consensus, if I waited for it to all look good, if I waited till everybody got on board, I'd be sitting in my house doing nothing. But I want to tell you, sometimes you got to look like a fool but watch this, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's why the gospel works. <laughs> Mary said in Luke 1, she said, how is this going to happen since I'm a virgin? If, if, you haven't, if you haven't asked God at all in 2020, how is this going to happen? then 2020 didn't touch you. If you haven't asked God in 2020, God, how, 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 how are my finances gonna, so how is our marriage gonna survive? How is our family gonna make it? How are my kids not gonna get stupid? <laughs> if, if, you, if you haven't asked God in 2020, how is this gonna happen? The 2020 didn't touch you. But I think I'm in a room full of people who have been touched in more ways than one by 2020. But I love God's response. I love God's response because God's response does not involve Joseph. It involves the Holy Spirit. Because this is, this is what we need to understand about where God is taking us in our faith. God is leading us to a place where we must have. We are lost without. We are hopeless without. We are powerless without divine intervention from God himself. I believe 
that we are entering into a miracle season. Like we personally, those that are alive right now, have never seen before. There is a desperation rising in our hearts that says, God, how is this going to happen? And God's response is, you need a miracle. Who does miracles? God, you do miracles. A miracle is something that could not happen, should not happen, and would not happen unless God made it happen. It's an inconceivable act of grace. It's when God has to suspend the natural laws and human laws and and the laws of nature to do what he wants to do in your life. I feel like every natural law has been suspended. I feel like every rule of nature has been suspended. I feel like every human law has been suspended. And we are in a season where we are crying out to God, God, how can this happen? Is there anybody else in the room who would say, God, I'm ready for a miracle. God, I'm ready for, I'm ready for a miracle. I'm ready for a miracle. Because everyone in this room has a limit to their ability. Everyone in this room gets to a place where you need divine intervention. And God does miracles. Let me give you three reasons why God does a miracle. First of all, God does a miracle to provide for his people. Listen today, if you have a need, you are a candidate for a miracle from heaven because God loves to provide for his people. Number two, God does miracles to prove himself to believers for faith needed in the future. I need you to hear that. The reason for some of you, some of you are looking at people who are tripping in 2020 and you're like, why are you acting like this? Well, you can act like that because God has proven himself to be faithful to you in the past. So you're not tripping about 2020 because you got receipts from 2015. But some people in this room don't have any receipts. They're new in God. They haven't experienced God on this level yet. They, they, what God is doing now is building faith for them, in them for something they're going to need in the future. And the faith that's required for 2020 isn't the same faith you're going to need in 2025. I'm just telling you that what God is doing right now is proving himself to be faithful so that when 2022 gets here, so that when 2026 gets here, you've already got the receipts and you know God that didn't disappoint me and let me down in 2020 is a God who's not going to let me down in 2025. Come on, is there anybody in the room who's, who's experienced the, the faithfulness of God And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, the reason this has to happen is because nothing destroys your decision-making like desperation. Nothing can destroy your decision-making ability like desperation. Desperate people do desperate things. And we've done some weird stuff in 2020 because we're desperate. Some of y'all got into some weird relationships in 2020 because you got desperate. Nothing will impair your decision making like desperation. Because if you think that that's the best you're gonna get, you're desperate. If you think this is as good as it gets, you're gonna make desperate decisions and desperate decisions are gonna derail your destiny. But when you get into a situation of desperation, what you need to do, instead of making desperate decisions, you need to give God desperate praise. 
Because praise is a seed for more. Psalm 92 and 12 says, the righteous will flourish like the palm tree. Praise is a seed for more. I need you to understand something. Psalm says, Psalm says that the righteous are, are like a palm tree. That means God sees you as a palm tree. And when God designed you, he designed you like a palm tree with the wind in mind. When God made you and brought you in the earth, he designed you with 2020 in mind. It didn't shock him. He wasn't unaware that this was coming. He wasn't unaware that this was happening. He wasn't unaware that you were going to lose your job. He wasn't unaware that you were going to get sick. He wasn't unaware that you were going to lose a family. He wasn't unaware of what has happened in your life in 2020. He designed you with 2020 in mind. And even though the wind has blown in 2020, the fact that you are watching me on your computer or you are sitting in this room right now is, yeah, I'm frustrated, yeah, I'm hurting, yeah, I've been pushed, yeah, I've been bent, but you know what? I'm not broken. I'm still here. I'm, I'm, I'm still here. And if being here proves anything to me, it's that God still has something on the inside of me that he's trying to get out of me. If there's breath in my body, it means that God still has something in me that he's trying to get out of me. Whew. Number three, he does it to perform his will. Number one, to provide for his people. Number two, to prove himself. Number three, to perform his will. The greatest way to see miracles is to release your agenda. <laughs> I was talking to somebody this week about control. Control is an illusion. You're not in control. Some of you did everything you could, and you still got COVID. You, you don't even know where you got it, how you got it. You wore the mask everywhere. You still got it. You tried to control all the details. You tried to control where your kids went. You tried to control where your family went. You tried to control where you went to eat. You tried to control your environment. You tried to control everything. You found out that you actually cannot control anything. It's all out of your control. So you might as well, if you want to live a miracle life, if you want your life to be a breeding ground for miracles, you might as well go ahead and release your agenda. Because it, it, I, I heard this years ago, I said, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. You, you, want, to, you want to show God a, a, a comedy? Show him your agenda. Because the moment you think you have a plan, God says, <laughs> let me show them what I'm actually going to do with their life. And I, I know you had 2020 all planned out. You had your vacation. You had your wedding. You had your family stuff. You had your Thanksgiving. You had your Christmas. And God walked right in and messed it all up. But because he messed it up, that means you are candidate for a miracle. You are right where he needs you to be. God never in scripture commits to financing our agenda. Never. God never commits to sponsoring our dreams. The miracle life is a surrendered life. 
And if I want a life full of miracles, then I have to get comfortable with a life full of disruptions. Some of y'all are really quiet right now because nobody told you that this was what it was like to follow Jesus. Joy to the world. All the boys and girls. <laughs> mm. Mary is such an interesting character. And I've, I've heard a lot of reasoning for why God picked Mary through the years. One of them was because Mary was pure. She was a virgin. And yes, for this task, she had to be a virgin. But church family, <laughs> virgins were everywhere. This wasn't 2020. <laughs> this ain't church in 2020. I can't find one. <laughs> Virgins were everywhere. <laughs> yeah, God chose Mary because of her virginity, but that wasn't really, really why he chose her. They were, virgins were, were everywhere. God chose Mary because of how she responded. God said, I'm about to mess your whole life up. And she said, I'm your servant. <laughs> life isn't gonna turn out the way you thought it was gonna turn out. I get it. I'm your servant. When you follow Jesus, I just, I, every one of us are gonna have to at some point come to this realization that when you follow Jesus, you belong to him. Your life is not your own. You have been bought with a price. And the only way to really live your life as a follower of Jesus is to say, I'm your servant. Be it unto me according to your word. God chose Mary because he knew she could be consistent when she was confused. Yeah. 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 Amen. <laughs> she, she realized that the rest of her life would be affected by a decision she didn't make. But a decision God made for her. When you give your life to Jesus... You have to understand that your life is now a life you didn't choose. And I, I know you think, oh, I picked Jesus, but no, Jesus told his disciples, you didn't pick me, I picked you. You commit to living a life you didn't choose, but a life that chose you. Very often, what feels like God picking on you is just God picking you. He chose you. 
for that because, listen to me, because he can trust you with trouble. He could trust you with misunderstanding. He could trust you with pain. He could trust you with discomfort. He could trust you with disruption. He comes to Joseph in a dream. He says, hey, Joseph, listen, I know this isn't the way you thought it was gonna work out, but what I've done to Mary, I, I did to her. She's been faithful to you. Joseph was thinking about walking away. But that wasn't who Joseph was. He stayed. God used Joseph and Mary because he knew they wouldn't walk away when it got difficult. Right now, you are wondering, why is all of this happening to me? And God says, I picked you because I knew you wouldn't quit on me. Huh. Yeah, I'm frustrated. Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm lonely sometimes. But I'm not done. She stayed faithful through it all. This little teenage girl whose life was turned upside down. She stayed faithful as she watched her boy hang on a cross as she watched his side pierce through blood and water flow as he cried out it is finished. She, she was there through it all. And because she stuck around, the Bible says this. In Acts chapter 1, the Bible says something very interesting. That after Jesus is risen from the dead and he ascends to the Father, it says that they all went back. It says Mary included. She went back and they... They were gathering together and they were praying together. And then one day they're all gathered together in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room. And the Bible says that at this moment, the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Jesus. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes into that room and it fills everybody up. Guess who's in that room? Mary is the only mother in the history of the world who got to carry the same baby twice. I need you to understand something. Jesus told his disciples, he said, none of you who have lost family or homes, even money for my sake, none of you will go without being paid back in this life and in the life to come. Listen to this verse, 1 Peter 5 and 10. He says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, 
and establish you. I want you to understand, Deuteronomy says that God will restore everything that you have lost. I wonder if there's anybody in the room who would stand on your feet today and just say, God, I know I don't understand this season, but I know there's a day coming. If I'll just keep walking with you, if I'll just stay faithful, if I'll just keep trusting you, The Bible says, don't grow weary in doing good. Why? Because in due season, you will reap if you faint not. And Mary, who had gone through all of that pain and all that suffering and all of that loss, she's standing in the upper room that day, and Jesus comes back in this Holy Spirit. Jesus comes back, and he fills her life once again. And the same baby that she thought she had lost is now in her life Once again, I'm just telling you today that God is a restorer. God promises to restore. The pain that you're going through now is nothing compared to the glory of God that's getting ready to be revealed in your life. Is there anybody in the room who just wants to throw your hands up in the air and say, thank you, Jesus? Yeah, joy to the world. The Lord has come. The Lord has come. It's not joy because everything is right. It's joy because you are with me. You are in me. And what you have put in me will come out of me for you. It's for you. And God, if it is for you, it's worth it. God, if it's for you, it's, if my loss, if my suffering, if it's for you, it's worth it. Maybe you could throw your hands up in the air today and say, God, it's worth it. If it's for you, it's worth it. If it's for you, it's worth it. If it isn't wasted, then it's worth it. If it's for you, then it's worth it. Because you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. And we throw our hands up in the air today and we say like Mary, be it unto me according to your word. Because God, we are your servants. And we thank you that you are doing something in us so that you can bring something out of us for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together and just bless the Lord? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I love you today. Thank you for that. If you're here in the room today and you finished our growth track, I think it was three or four weeks ago now, and you finished the growth track and you're now part of this church family, you've decided that Calvary Church is your home. You throw your hand up in the air if any of you are in here. We see you. Anybody? Yeah, we see you. So glad you're here. So glad you're a part. Awesome. And we want to pray for you today. Can we stretch our hands to those who raise their hand? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for their life. We thank you for their decision to be part of what you're doing in this church. And God, you are like this sermon. You are doing something in them to bring something out of them for your glory. You have something for them to do and to accomplish while they are here at Calvary Church. And we thank you for the gift that they are 
to our body. We pray that you will bless them and keep them and prosper them in every way. We pray for their family. We pray that if they've got anyone in their family who doesn't know you, that they would feel your conviction even now, that the word would go forth and it would not return void, but it would accomplish the thing that you've sent it to do. We pray that lost family members would come home. We pray that people in their life right now who are, who are sick, that their bodies would be healed. In Jesus' name, we're declaring, God, that we need you. We're declaring, God, that we are, we, are, we are ready for a miracle. So thank you, Jesus, for their life. Thank you for their family. Thank you for bringing them into this house. We bless them in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen. Well, thank you for being here. Listen, if you need prayer, our prayer team will be up front. They're ready and willing to pray for you if you're comfortable with that. We love you. God bless you. Have a great Sunday and Merry Christmas.